back, everybody, to Running Into the Fog with the Joe Bros, Derek and Eric Johnson. And today our guest is Ms. Cynthia Chang Correa, a good friend of ours, longtime thought leader and uh, and leader in general in the competitive intelligence world that we love to inhabit so much. So Cynthia, welcome to Running Into the Fog today. Thanks to you both. It's always a pleasure with you too. Derek, great to see you as always. I wish we could be in person doing this, but there's a pandemic on, you might have heard. Uh, May 13th, and Derek's got a birthday coming up in a couple of days, by the way. Oh, early happy birthday. Thank you very much, my daughter. And actually, yeah, my son's coming up too, so they're both Tauruses. I'm a Taurus. My birthday is the 15th of May, and, uh, you know, as the story goes, our our dad, uh, his birthday got ruined by... Eric entering the world. So February 3rd of 1970, uh, Eric comes into the picture. February 4th of 1970 was our dad's birthday. Um, And he always said to our mom, I'm going to get you back for this. And our our mom's birthday was May 19th. Uh, And of course, I come along four days before. So, yeah, that's kind of fun. Fun little Joe Bros story to share with the crew. Yeah, you're tracking with the parents, each of you. That's right. Seemed to be a little bit, yep. It's really great to have you on the the podcast today, Cynthia. Thanks for joining us. Oh, it's just it's always a pleasure with you too, as I said. And and then thanks for inviting me. And I'm I'm glad you're doing this. I think this is it's wonderful to have this chance to to be able to talk in in another forum in this way. Well, this has been a real education for Derek and I. We started this back, uh, I think, January. Is that when we started recording these, Derek? And this is number what in the sequence? 13, 14? This is number 13, uh, recording number 13 today. We've, uh, we actually got started right around your birthday, first part of uh, February of this year. So we've, we've come kind of a long ways in a short few months, but uh, got to keep the tempo going. And I think, well, you know, we'll see that, that the pandemic has birthed many a great things like this. Yep. Yeah, we're all making do sort of with the circumstances. And there are some surprising innovations that have emerged throughout all of that. And uh, for those who are just joining this conversation, we've been on here for a few minutes and we were talking a little bit about uh, the forthcoming, uh, probably in September, uh, Competitive Intelligence Fellows uh, Confab. I don't know what else to call it. I, you'll, you can tell us about that here in a second, Cynthia, but we did our first one last year, the online version of that, and uh, I thought it was a great you know, first outing. And so now we're fine-tuning, and Derek and I have a little bit of privilege to be associated with some of that planning, but the theme is still coming together as of this recording. You're still kind of getting tools and technologies and all that fun stuff outlined, but uh, give us a little foretaste of the feast to come, Cynthia. What what can we expect this fall from the fellows? Yeah, so as as you know, the theme is in, in technology we trust. And so it's it's you know, pretty much a loaded question, uh, but the idea here is to explore uh, in, in true uh, uh, CI Summit fashion, explore questions and, and topics that are underexplored, and you know, we want to think more deeply about the various issues and challenges and opportunities that are in front of us, and to shake things up a little bit. And as you know, in Intel. That we really do need to challenge ourselves, challenge our assumptions, challenge our worldviews, perspectives, so that we can really achieve greater clarity. So 
you know, our, our uh, CI 2020 summits are really geared for that. And I, I think, you know, we, we did a pretty good job kicking that off last year. We took a generalist approach and, and thanks to each of you also for, uh, for, for being a part of an important part of that uh, as speakers. And, 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 and with that, we took a generalist approach and looking at various facets and now we're doing deeper dives you know, into specific topics. And this year, you know, in this deep dive, we're kicking it off with technology because that's on everyone's minds and it's perennially on everyone's minds. So that's where we are. And uh, the date, dates are September 1st and 2nd. September 1st and 2nd. So everybody mark your calendars. Uh, when you see this sometime probably in August, uh, make sure you look up the Council of Competitive Intelligence Fellows Summit and plan to join us. On our website, yeah. It'll be on the website, cifellows.org. Cifellows.com. Dot com. Thank you for correcting that. Um, so there's, on the topic of technology and competitive intelligence, I think because there is a vendor community with stakeholders that have more mercantilist uh, interests in how that all goes down, speaking as one, by the way, Derek and I, uh, the, the company we serve uh, has an arm that does technology and CI. I won't advertise it here, but uh, I will say we that- it, We can call it first light. Thank you, Cynthia. I appreciate your plug. When you do it, it's so much more eloquent than if you or I did it. I hear you. <laughs> That's right. And I think the risk that competitive intelligence professionals make in letting uh, providers, you know, dominate the, the dialogue on technology is that we will sell things that make us money and not things that move the field forward. So I'll just throw that out as an opening volley. Uh, thoughts? Yeah, I, I have to thank you for saying that, uh, actually, because... Well, you know, because I think that reflects the reality, right? But that's also the reality of your position as well, right? And you know, because you have a duty to your company. But I, and that's one of the wonderful things about the the Council of Competitive Intelligence Fellows is that we are an educational nonprofit, and 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 you know, although you, you both you know are, are tied you know to you know your own organizations as each of our each of the fellows are we've come together in this forum to advance the community and its practices and so 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 through this this vehicle the summit vehicle and others to come you know we can we can explore this together and so i think i what i see is that there's there's a complementary aspect to this right uh, you know between those you know, who you know, do have commercial interests and 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 and, and uh, as well as as facets of ours you know that have an interest in in advancing the field because that also benefits all of our interests right you know from you know, at the practitioner level you know to the service side you know to you know, products and, and so on and so forth so it's an ecosystem and you know and 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 we play multiple roles in those it's interesting. Uh, I was just going to jump in real quick. You know, as, as CI fellows, we've we've uh, taken an oath actually to uh, live up to this Acme uh, mentality, right? And for for us uh, Green Bay Packers fans out here, uh, Acme means something specific in the city of Green Bay, also. But in the CI fellows world, ambassador, champion, mentor, and educator. That's a that's a real thing for folks like us, and I think it's it's important to not lose sight of the fact that when we take that oath as CI fellows, we 
we have to, by definition, then set a little bit of our commercial interests toward the sideline and do what's right for the field versus what might be commercially right in that particular season for our businesses. And, you know, that, that can be a tricky thing to navigate, a little fog to navigate in and of itself. But uh, I think it's important for the field to acknowledge that that's, that's a, also a real thing, right? Well, precisely, because, because as, as you both understand as well, um, and, and I think a lot of CI folks do too, you know, it's, if we're siloed, we're not going to learn very much. We're not going to be able to achieve very much. And, and that goes for commercial silos as well. And so for us to be able to have this for this and other forums to be able to collaborate, to advance you know, our ideas, you know, because I think that we've talked about this among the fellowship and you and, and some in the audience may also uh, you know, have had these discussions or see it as well, is that you know, there there has there have been periods within our our uh, in, in our field in which you know we've stagnated a little bit right we could push ourselves a little bit more and so we want to catalyze that uh, you know, through you know various types of forums and other opportunities, and so we really see that this the fellowship you know as that and and uh, and and various partnerships that we create you know through that as well. And you know, to, to Eric's point, you know, it's um, if we if we rely on commercial service providers to innovate, now you know that means that there are going to be gaps in innovation because you know there's a you know there's there's serendipity you know there's this you know sort of you know beautiful coming together where you know ideas right you know can can start to foment and spark and, and, and take hold when you have a, you know a diversity of perspectives and expertise and you don't always get that when we are just working within specific entities we need to have that community to be able to get together and say okay what's next how can we propel this and Intel in particular relies on this so you know it's really important that we practice what we preach right to our own, our own intelligence users and customers and, and so forth. Well, Cynthia, you're uh, the president of the executive committee at the Council of Competitive Intelligence Professionals, or excuse me, fellows. Uh, that was a Freudian slip, wasn't it? Uh, and uh, have been for, is it four years now that you've been in that seat? I think, uh, you know, it's, it's, I think it's pandemic time. So uh, <laughs> give or right. take. <laughs> Dog ears, dog ears, <laughs> dog ears, and we also we also had some time, as you both know, you know, in which we're pulling it together too, and uh, and so there was a you know bit, bit of a uh, of a sort of a interim chair role, yeah. But but tell our audience a little more about Cynthia. Uh, I know that you sing a mean karaoke when somebody's willing to uh, pay a guitar player enough to uh, <laughs> go ahead and. Uh, have that encounter, and you guys can refer back to that. But uh, how'd you get involved in competitive intelligence? I know you have a certification program that's now again offered through the Special Libraries Association, CI community, et cetera. Tell us more about what you're doing beyond the fellows. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. Um, so how I got into this, um, I got into this you know, pretty early on. Uh, basically, while I was getting my master's degree in library and information science, um, I discovered it because there was a course in competitive intelligence offered by Jerry Miller, you know, many of you know yeah. as well at, at Simmons College then and now university. And so, uh, so immediately I, I found my home. And uh, so I never, I never really was a proper 
librarian uh, because pretty much immediately after that, I got into economic development. Uh, so I worked in, in an economic economic development nonprofit in, in the state of Massachusetts, partnering with the state. And, you know, in economic de development, it's about regional competitions, right? State level competition. So, uh, so that's how I got my start. And, uh, and then eventually I got to Folding Company and became their director of information services. And, and that you know, deepened my work there. And uh, then I uh, went off on my own with Knowledge and Form, which is you know, what, I'm, what, what, what I'm heading now, my, my own practice. And uh, so that's you know, sort of my, my track. Uh, in parallel to that, I've always taught. And so after I graduated, I actually effectively never left the, the school, they invited me right back to teach, uh, you know, teach search, knowledge management, CI. So, uh, so, so um, you know, there's always been this parallel track. So creating the certificates program for SLA was natural because I'd already been teaching academically anyway. And there was a need because at the time, and this is going back about a dozen years now. And so you, know, you both understand that SLA had discovered CI, but Info pros, you know, especially at the time, have a gap because there's an information bias, right? And you know, so, so when you're focused on information, you're not quite all the way there and into intel, into intel. So there were there were some significant gaps, you know, in the practice of CI that we needed to help fill in that space because you want to, we wanted to avoid a situation where we had a lot of info posts diving into this and focusing purely on information with this with an intel level uh, label. You know, and and uh, and so that was our way of providing you know, that type of public service. And and quite frankly, you know, a, a lot of the, uh, the the various types of training, wonderful training out there, you know, it was, it was out of the price range of a lot of a lot of information services. So we so, you know, there was a huge gap to fill. And uh, so and that was also a way of kicking off SLA's certificates program in general for other certificates as well. So we piloted that. And, uh, and, 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 you know, so, so, uh, so that, that's something that, uh, that we've been doing since and uh, we're still doing. And it's, it's gratifying as well to see uh, InfoPro's transition get promoted uh, and, uh, and, and doing some really fine intel because their expertise is you know, really finding those quality inputs and that's typically where folks who don't have the information background, we, you know, they tend to struggle with that, you know, this, you know seeking good inputs for the intel. I think it's uh, interesting, you know, you and I and Zena were the freshman class of 2015 entering the CI fellows, right? And we used to joke yeah. about that, at least at that particular meeting, we joked about it. You know, and we had Zena on the podcast a little bit ago, and I asked her that same question, like, what do you think, where, where did the skills translate the best of the uh, information library science professionals into the intel realm and she was talking about things like understanding markets and understanding you know, people and the actors that participate in them you know being the, the really critical um, layer that the uh, info folks bring how would you answer that same question what 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 are the best areas of translation between the mlis traditional track into the intel realm and uh, Maybe even if you want to go a step further, where where do those folks perhaps have a little catch up in order to, to, to leapfrog and get truly into that Intel role if that's where they want to play? Yeah, that, that's such an excellent question. And I would even extend this to 
anyone who comes into Intel with another with a specific specialty, right? So the gap, there's a gap here between their specialty and Intel itself very often. And so, so it's, it's the difference between, you know, so subject matter experts, right? And CI specialists. And so one of the things that we had, had to be very mindful of uh, is even in the early days, as we were, we were, we were building this, uh, the architecture of this uh, program, and, and I also had been working on this too on the academic side as well, because I'm training people to come out of academia, right, you know, their graduate studies to begin practicing. The key here is they come out of this with wonderful search tools. They understand search platforms, right? You know, they understand information, yeah, infrastructure and so forth. But the key here is process and mindset. So very often, what we need to do, and, and we're, I'm very conscious of this in the training, is to, to, as we bring people along through the certificates program, is to help them acquire the intelligence mindset. And that's not something that we make explicit in, in the, um, the, the course outline or the program outline, but you know, that's its core. And uh, because without that, they can't be true Intel practitioners. And so that's one piece of it. Another thing that I have to address too is information bias, because people who, who are who have the who have strong information backgrounds and who are quite frankly attracted to it because they love information, they love research, they love acquiring knowledge. There is there is a bias towards the acquisition, right, or the research, and not for what you do after that, right, which actually generates the intel. So I have to help them understand that and to basically cross that, maybe be able to make that leap into, uh, into analysis, right, becoming you know, true anal analysts and, and intelligence pr uh, practitioners. And so, so, so we're mindful of that as well, um, you know, when, uh, you know when, when we're bringing people along through the program. And so those are, so, so trying to minimize those biases, you know, cultivate that intelligence mindset and helping them see the practice more holistically you know, so that we can overcome that tendency to just want to focus on research, right? Because of course, you know, one of the issues that we, one of the problems that we, we face you know, is siloing and analysis paralysis when we're stuck in just that gathering mode. And that gathering mode, by the way, is not just, um, you know, not, not research in general, where we're talking about human, we're talking about a rather narrow set of research where we're, they're focused on published open source research. And so anybody who understands the full breadth and scope of Intel creation knows that that is a small subset of the intelligence process, right? So, so we need to get people along Right, so that they understand that, th that th there is an ecosystem of information out there that includes humans, right? And to scrutinize that as well and know how to use that and know how to elicit and then take that through to analysis to actually generate intel and not just more info. Love that. I love that mindset mentality. You know, I, I, I think more than half of what any of us encounter in this life is going to be overcome more by mindset than potentially even capability, dare I say. So uh, helping them acquire that, that uh, mindset, cultivate it into being an Intel uh, pro is really, really cool. What do you think about that, Eric? Well, I was just going to say that, you know, about, I don't know, 11, 12 years ago, I remember sitting in an SLA uh, general session 
And I can't remember, maybe it was DC, it might have been Denver, but um, it was, I think, the one where uh, Colin Powell was the keynote uh, speaker. That might have been 2010. Anyway, um, there was a survey done uh, by them, SLA, and it was enumerate the value that the InfoPro provides their organization. And you probably remember this when, when this happened. And uh, the number one value proposition for the InfoPro, because they interviewed the InfoPros and they interviewed their users, their clients. And the number one value for the InfoPro was, I think it was uh, cultivating the collection or managing the collection. Uh, and for the client, Cynthia, do you remember what that was, what the answer was, the number one value that they provided? Actually, I don't. Competitive intelligence. Ah, okay. So I remember sitting in the audience thinking, huh, they think it's managing the collection. And their clients find that they don't even know they do that. <laughs> Not only is it irrelevant to them, they don't even know that's a thing when competitive intelligence is what they're actually saying is their number one value proposition. And that, that's what sort of got me keyed into the information professional special librarian world was, wow, there's a lot of alignment to be had there. And the entrepreneur in me said, I bet we can sell some stuff to these people to help them do that. So, you know, forgive my own mercantilist uh, intuition in that. But I will say, I then started looking at librarians and asking, what is it that there is their differentiator? You know, is there a skill set differentiator that we can point to and build on? And to Derek's point, the question you asked was, what do I think about that? I think that there's no one better in the exit or excuse me, in the reference interview process. And that whole reference interview that a librarian does with a client, a searcher, so to speak, or whatever they call them, to help to crystallize the results. And here's back to intelligence mindset. Librarians are very results oriented. Are you going to be constructing a three-dimensional diorama of an erupting volcano? Or are you gonna be writing your master's thesis on volcanology? Because those two results for you as a client of mine require a radically different process for me as an information professional to help you produce that result. And that's what really struck me as the differentiator for librarians was they have the reference interview as their secret weapon and no one knows. No one knows that that's a secret weapon focused on the results that the client has to produce and thereby the actions that that client has to take to produce those results. It's interesting you should say that too, because um, it brings up a, a few things, right? So, um, I, I, well, first of all, I think I think it's important. You know, I I I'll, I I'll, I'll, I prefer to use the the, the term info pros because it goes to 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 the, to that that survey result, right? You know, librarians will be concerned about the collection, right? And that sort of thing. But for but a lot of the people I train, yeah, they're you know they they know how to manage that, but they're they're very much involved in the research aspect. And so at that point, they're really more researchers, right? Or, or that's really you know, the bulk of of I think their value. But um, but when you mentioned that you know they're they're focused on on you know collections versus CI or or you know perhaps new decision support. Um, you know th that 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 speaks to that info bias that I just 
I just mentioned. Um, and the other part of it too is that um, many of them, you just don't know what they don't know. So going back to that value question and I'll, I'll get to the, um, you know, the, uh, the point you just made too about the reference interview, but going back to the, that value question, um, that's something that info pros have been struggling with for over 40 years. And so one of the things that I, I, I try you know, to, uh, to you know, drill into is why are we still struggling with that after decades? There's something wrong when we haven't quite resolved that problem after 40 years of, of exploring, right? So, and, and what I observed is, is that we tend to fall back, you know, on, on habitual thinking, right? You know, sort of that collective group think, I think that's another part of it. And, 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 and forgive me, but my bias is bias, right? So I tend to focus on people's biases to, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, to help problem solve. But that's one of the issues, you know, that I, I see you know, that we have to address. And, you know, because, the, because Intel provides the value, right? Because Intel is about decision support, which is one of the reasons why the, 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 the uh, SLA program, uh, the certificates program is called competitive and decision intelligence, right? And we can debate the, you know, the labels and all that, but it was really important for us to go into the decision side to help people understand this isn't just about competitive intelligence or competitors. It's about that broader, you know, value question. And so when they're stuck in research, stuck in collections management, that's not, that's not going to provide that value. And I think that that uh, there's a lot of benefit for people, more people to come along, I think, into, into this, this line of thinking. So I think that there is a collective bias that needs to be addressed. In terms of the reference interview, um, I agree with you, but um, one of the things that we do actually in, in, in in, in, in my instruction is that we actually help break some of the habits that have been developed in the traditional reference interviewing because that's where, you know, because that the Intel mindset is missing from that. And from the very beginning, if we remember, you know, just keeping in mind something as fundamental as the intelligence process, when we're doing that needs assessment, you have to understand that whole process. And if you don't understand how analysis works, if you don't understand how to, how to, how to handle uh, what you've collected, or even you know specifically you know uh, you know how you need to collect, then you're not going to be able to 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 you know take in um, uh, you know the, um, uh, the the needs very well or to assess it. And the other thing too is that traditionally the reference interview does not tend to challenge the user. And in Intel, you always have to be thinking about the biases of the user, what the users are not seeing. And your job is to help the user see that from the outset, even, pr even prior to the project, when you're defining the intelligence need, you need to be sure it's the right need. So it's not a matter of just assuming that the Intel user is on the right track, right? You may need to course correct from the very, very beginning, right? To penetrate some of the false assumptions that there might or biases that might be in play. So we, so we have to actually adjust the way they conduct reference interviews when we're training for Intel, because that mindset piece begins right from the beginning. So, um, and, 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 it, and I don't want to overly focus on, on info pros either, because I find that when I'm training business professionals across a number of different functions, it's not necessarily even business, you know, because there are nonprofits who are involved in this too. Um, we all harbor our own biases. And so, so, 
as 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 someone who who helps you know, people cultivate their intelligence skills, it's really important that we're always attuned, you know, to you know to 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 what needs you know, to be um, you know what needs to be uh, uh, explored, and uh, also you know what needs to you know to be cultivated, and uh, so you know. So journalists will bring in, you know, sort of, you know, their own strengths and weaknesses and engineers will and, you know, people coming from R&D, you know, and it's various facets or finance, you know, we all harbor our own, but there are certain common threads that come through this. And so that's, that goes back to what I was saying about sort of the specialist versus the, you know, the, the intelligence practitioner. So as we're focusing on the info pro, I think this applies to other functions as well, you know, to think about, well, you know, what are the gaps between my subject matter expertise with Intel and how do I fill that gap so that I can really incorporate intelligence into what I do? And I and 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 I'm I'm, I'm I raise this because as intelligence has become more embedded across functions and, and also within organizations of various sizes, we have people, you know, from, from a number of different you know, specialties practicing Intel. And so the difference between, well, a key difference between that and when, when Intel was more, more centralized is that we, the intelligence mindset may get lost in that. You know, as, as, as you have people from marketing, finance, and engineering you know, at various functions learning Intel, they're not living and breathing it every day because they have split functions very often. And so there's a risk that, that the that portions of the Intel uh, practice might fall by the wayside and that exposes intelligence gaps and we have to be mindful of that. So this, so what we're saying about in, info pros actually does apply across a number of different functions when we're talking about people who are practicing Intel from a split function perspective uh, and, and, uh, and who, who, who come at this, you know, from different aspects of their training. Well, I, th I think what you guys are saying is you mostly agree you have some different uh, perspectives and views on it, but uh, the alignment is, uh, at least from what I'm understanding and hearing, is uh, pretty close. Cynthia, you know, you got started uh, in your career, you said, in economic development. And that's an area where Eric is really uh, incredibly passionate about. We're the, the sons of, you know, local um, entrepreneurs in small towns in northern Wisconsin, right? And so I think that that's that's uh, ingrained in us too. What do you see at the economic development level as being opportunities for these uh, for the process and mindset of Intel professionals to come back and help at that local level? And I'm channeling my big brother here and asking this type of question. I love that, and I, and and I have to say that I I just I don't think we're doing enough of it. Um, you know, I I had I have to say I had the benefit when I was in economic development, you know, of cert, of 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 you know ser serving in that area, you know, under an administration, I think it was well, I know it was William Weld at the time, who was governor of Massachusetts, and he really focused on that. So there's a lot of investment, you know, at the executive level, right, at the state level, in that. So you have to have that level of championing, I think, you know, to to really be, you know, to be able to maximize that effort. But a lot can be done, you know, as evidenced by you know Eric's work and, and others, you know, through through, you know, various, uh, you know, various, you know, local businesses as well. But, uh, but I think that, that uh, you know, if we can, if we can 
you know, create more synergy, you know, between the official, you know, levels, you know, uh, you know, at, you know the government level and commercial. I think that that's vital. Um, there was an article. I think it was last week uh, in Defense One, uh, you know, that was, uh, uh, his name escapes me, but uh, written, I think, it was the, the, I think the date was May 7th, as I see it in my mind's eye. Uh, it was published by a, a retired Israeli colonel, you know, talking about the importance of uh, competitive intelligence uh, in, uh, in, in government agencies. Right. And uh, and so this isn't even just a, a local concern. Right. It's it's really a national level concern. And in some countries, you know, focus a lot more of their you know energies and efforts you know, into this than others. And so um, because it's really not just about corporate competitiveness, regional competitiveness. It's it's you know, you know, it's 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 really about, you know, competitiveness from a you know larger scale as well, you know, very often. And uh and and so um so absolutely I, I see benefits in that. I think that we need to be doing more. And you know the, the problem is that you know there's with a changing administration, you have changes in focus, and you have changes in even political philosophy and various you know, priorities for you know for budgeting and and uh, and policy making, and so so that that's always going to be, I think, uh, you know, uh, an issue uh, when we're ta you know talking about this. But I think that you know we can do a whole lot. You know, going back again to. Uh, community groups, right? Like the CI fellows, but you know, to you know that 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 the business community can, can get get together and ensure that there's continuity across administrations, right? You know, to focus on 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 these areas. Well, you know, I have an undergraduate degree from UW Madison in political science, and I only learned one thing in getting that degree, and that is that politics makes us dumber. Uh, and that is a universal principle of, of politics, is you will be dumber the more political you get. Uh, and the dispassionate apolitical perspective on reality suggests that, you know, there are levels of influence and spheres of influence politically that you have to nudge and push and resist and work around and all that sort of thing, but that you shouldn't get high on your own supply, so to speak. Uh, you should remain dispassionate and logical about that. And I think that as we've shifted now uh, administration and even control of lawmaking at the national level, we now see a real fragmentation at the local level. I think a lot of the exodus from the urban centers that we saw over the last 12 months, and it's a multifaceted phenomenon, but there's a lot of Californians moving to Nashville and Austin and places that are a little less population dense and a little less authoritarian, I think is the word I'm searching for. Uh, and so the consequences of that migration are, well, California lost a seat for the first time in the history of the state of California. They lost a legislative seat um, because of that exodus. And now as we see this sort of, I think the word fragmentation is probably right. You see urban areas sort of crest from a population density point of view. And if that pendulum swings back the other direction, you see a more decentralized 
power structure in the future, not just politically, but economically, socially, technologically. And I think that creates a tremendous amount of opportunity as that power becomes more distributed, not just to rural areas like you see a tractor right here. Uh, I live in the country and uh, the ability for us to produce our own food, for example, or, I mean, I could go out today and put enough crop into the ground in order to have a biodiesel manufacturing facility in about 90 days. And I could be making my own biodiesel out here, uh, completely green. You know, there's no, uh, there's no fossil fuel involved in the production of that and do so in a way that not only checks a lot of political and social and sort of trend boxes that way, but also actually provides an entrepreneurial outlet, a cash flow, and all the things go along with that. So let's talk a little bit about how intelligence people, and this is our one of our mottos from the last couple of years, is that intelligence analysts should be growth champions. We should be champions for growth. And when I say growth, I mean economic prosperity at the local level and egalitarian economic prosperity. I'd love to kind of wrap our conversation with you, Cynthia, getting your insights on that topic and figure out how to make the fellows a catalyst for that. Yeah. So, well, so, so first of all, I, I, yeah, I, I, I think that that's, it's, it is very important, I think, for us to carve out a role in that area. But I do, th- I, I, I do, I want to just back up a bit too and acknowledge what you said about uh, you know, politics by extending that to ideology, right? Mm-hmm. I think that if we, if we, if we're not challenging, you know, our own lines of thinking, uh, you know, we're susceptible, right? You know, to missing a lot of what is important. I, I think it's very important that we try to be as evidence-based as possible. Um, you know, in in how we find solutions, and so I think I think that's you know that's tremendously important. I think it's also important too for us to try not to reduce um, you know our understanding or or uh, you know explanations right in, into you know sort of you know simpler you know broader um, uh, sort of you know sort of um, cause effect right you know for, for us to, to to avoid simple explanations you know uh, like for example you know just even with the uh you know with the most recent census you know I, I i think it's more than just a matter of say hey there's an exodus because of xyz because there's also the problem of methodology right there's yeah. been a debate on the methodology of the census this this time around there's always some debate every time around let's you know let's let's acknowledge that but in this in this case you know there was less time the pandemic etc cetera, etc cetera. so so there are some open questions, you know, about uh, how the count was conducted. So, so I I, I think it, it's important for us, you know, to not to, to avoid simplifying, you know, some of you know the the ex- explanations about some of the seats that we've lost and things like that. What we're seeing, but I do take your point that there is an exodus. People are moving away from urban centers and so forth. And so, you know. You know what do we do, right? You know it, it's it's um, you know what what are our roles in economic development? And I think that one of the things that that Intel pros are excellent at, you know, is the idea that you know we can take a broader view. Right? We're trained in in trying to understand you know the broader perspective, so that we take a we can take a longer view to problems and issues. Now. You know, when we're talking about election cycles, it's harder to take that view, right, for people who are steeped in that. 
but we're not we're not beholden to that right in our in our practice area so i think that that's you know one of the things and i think if if we have more of that mindset that's brought in you know the intelligence that government relies on you know is really more it is sort of you know, state level, you know, a nation's need a state level and, and, and military level, right? Um, you know, we're, we don't tend to think about this, you know, we don't tend to bring in sort of commercial intelligence into the, you know, into this and the practices into this. And I think that there's a lot of opportunity that could be, that could be brought into that here. And when we were in economic development in Massachusetts, that's what we did, actually. We, we, we started thinking CI, right, as a part of our organization and, and didn't take more of the traditional you know, economic development approaches. And I think that that's particularly important. Um, but, uh, and, and so to your point, Eric, yeah, I think, you know, as a, as a group, as a, you know, with, with the fellowship, you know, we could, t- we could take more on more of a leadership role in that area, because I think that, that uh, there's a lot that could be done between government intel and the way it's traditionally, and, and military intel and the way it's traditionally practiced, right, and cross-fertilize that with the commercial side. And Jan Herring, of course, you know, can speak to that very well, because he's really the, you know, the godfather of that. And, 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 and more currently, too, all the things that we're facing, right? We've experienced this. Everything about 2020 teaches us the importance of intel and foresight. You know, so the pandemic, right? You know, you have the social justice, social purpose movements that have also affected commercial interests, right? In addition to, to uh, uh, society at large. And, uh, and then obviously what we're confronting here, not just in the US, but in, in various other parts of the world where you have more populism coming in and the longer current and the longer term effects of that at disinformation, right? Another area of work that I'm in and how that is shaping and affecting people's perceptions. Now, Intel is also prepared because Good intel practice requires that we cultivate, you know, multiplicity of perceptions, perspectives. You know, so we bring that into our intel works, you know, so that you know we can we can understand or the one word that we tend to use in our circle too, you know, our, our closer professional circles, the empathy, right? Just sort of see it through someone else's eyes, right? To put put ourselves in their shoes, so we can gain a deeper level understanding. So. That aspect is really important as well. So, so there's a lot of elements here that we can bring into it, but there's also the practical element, right? How do we get the attention of decision makers at the government level, right? You know, local, regional, and uh, well, in a state and and uh, and national level, so that there is a sustainable level of of you know, of practice of economic development practice right or intelligence you know within the economic development practice that that part of it when we haven't been, we haven't quite quite figured that out yet i think as a society um, some countries tend to be better at that you know those the the, the countries that tend to i think um, you know have um, you know uh, is it you know more uh, a deeper level commitment, I think, you know, to economic intelligence and well, whatever form, right? Yeah. Well, and to that point, and then I'll let Derek wrap us here, but uh, the the Central Intelligence Agency back in the 1950s, early in its history, uh, was compelled to stay out of economic intelligence, unlike uh, almost every other country, nation state in the world, uh, who 
Uh, and I, I love the Jetro story in Japan's use of intelligence networks outside of Japan. And, you know, the whole notion that the primary role of the external trade representation network was to gather intelligence about market opportunities for their domestic manufacturers to eventually exploit. I mean, that what a tremendous strategy to rebuild your country after the war. We saw something similar happen in Europe and something similar happen in China and in all, all around the world. Um, and I think that what's going on now in the United States with economic development is we're realizing the limits of the attractional uh, tax base and concession system. Uh, the former kind of site selector model where it was all driven by, and I'll cite, you know, a very famous example here in Southeastern Wisconsin. Uh, I won't name them, but you know who I'm talking about, uh, who was very politicized for a couple different left-right uh, permutations on that. And the consequences were they just recently renegotiated that whole uh, economic impact promise with that entity. And it's quite a bit more modest than it was in 2015, 16 uh, specifically. So final words on that in terms of what comes next. I don't think we know what comes next. We all know that we want local and regional prosperity. We don't want our kids to grow up. And if you were me, how do I get the heck out of here? Uh, let me go anywhere but the place that I grew up. And then, of course, later on, where did I go and start my business? Yeah. Mom's Beauty Salon, the 12 feet on the eastern side of Mom's Beauty Salon in dinky little Chautauqua, Wisconsin. And I will say, because of me, at one point in history, Chautauqua, Wisconsin had the highest per capita concentration of competitive intelligence analysts of any city in the world. Uh, and now that's obviously lying with statistics, but I'll leave it there. How do we actually? So I, I, yeah. So then, then I think it was superseded because there were uh, there was a concentration of a higher concentration of competitive intelligence analysts in you know the area of Williston, Vermont, when I moved out there, because you know that Fletcher's out there too. So right. yeah, exactly, lying with statistics, right? But um, but you know, and this is the thing about um, you know e economic development too is that. Uh, it, it's it's when we're, when we're thinking about returns in terms of economic de development. To your point about you know the the most uh, sort of you know recent headlines in in Wisconsin, um, and we saw this too with Amazon and its search you know for HQ two and, and others. You know, is that um, there's a the political return and then there's the actual economic benefit, right? And so and 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 that's not always aligned, and so. These decisions are not necessarily evidence-based decisions, right? Mm -hmm. They're all so they're all, you know, in, in terms of the economic benefit to the community. You know, these decisions are oftentimes politically driven. It's about the headlines and it's about the glow, right? So the afterglow effect, you know, of you know these initiatives, the perception, right, of this, you know, rather than the reality. And uh, so I think that that's that's where we can inject intel, right? Now, of course. There's an inherent tension, right, with politics, but Intel would be able to look at this, you know, with a very clear eye and say, okay, well, you know, realistically, what can we really return? Where are the benefits going to be, right? And so, again, it's just, it's a, you know, I think it's, it's, you know, it's about, I think, trying to be more evidence-based in our approaches, you know, as opposed to, uh, you know, various. Now, of course, that's in diametrical opposition to a lot of human tendencies. <laughs> And biases, so we are swimming upstream here. Um, 
but you know, I, 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 I hear you. I think it's, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's very important. And, and, but there's a lesson here, not just in economic development, but for companies as well, right? For, so when we're working at the, the entity level, um, you know, commercial and nonprofit, you know, we also really need to look at this and, and, and understand, okay, well, how am I being driven by my personal interests, right? Or, you know, managerial interests versus, you know, a, a, you know, a, a broader interest in the organization or even organization at different periods in time as we look outward, right? At, at, you know, at, at, you know, at, at different um, time horizons. So mm-hmm. these are the types of things we have to challenge ourselves all the, you know, all the time. We're, we're, we're I think, in constant tension you know, to, you know, to, to our, our inherent biases and inherent wishes, right. Versus the reality that's out there. So perspectives are important. You reminded me of the old Greek. I think it's attributed to a Greek proverb that all progress in civilization is based on people planting trees under whose shade they will not sit. Uh, and your point about, I, I interpret it as a credit, credit taking. There's everything is about what I did, what I did for you and why you should elect me again or hire me again or pay me again or whatever it is that my short-term return on that claim uh, is. And I think as natural skeptics, uh, our bullshit detectors go off like to 11 uh, and that pardon the uh, profanity, but uh, you know what I mean? We're like, wait a second, there's somebody taking credit for a phenomenon under which they were a participant maybe an observer, but certainly not the catalyst for or the cause for this thing. All these things happened on their watch. Just like Biden's going to get blamed for what could be America's lost decade. Uh, And I see a, I see a Japanese 1996 kind of scenario emerging here uh, in our economy, which may be the topic of our next conversation, Cynthia. We've got to have you back for another podcast when we've got another hour to spend on this. But um, I'm going to toss it to Derek to wrap us up because I get started talking and well, we'll, I will we'll never let you, you go. I will take you up on it because I'm always game for these discussions. We don't discuss these things enough, but you're absolutely right. right. I think, you know, it, it's uh, this is where we're, we're constantly battling attentional biases and expectation biases, right? The whole sets of each one of those categories. And uh, so, yeah, this is this is a perennial discussion, really, and uh, and I look forward to you know our our uh, continuing explana- a continuing exploration of this. You know, the, uh, the Colin Powell um, keynote was 2009 at SLA in Washington. I looked that up while you were talking about it, just for uh, listeners. There's actually a really great uh, blog post that somebody from SLA created about that keynote. Now, I'll, yeah, and I'll also mention to you the reason I don't remember that is because I remember the, the, the reporting out of it. I wasn't there because I had just my son was just born. Okay. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah. So, so I, you may know this about me, Cynthia. Eric certainly does that. I, I like to uh, let our listeners learn something fun about our guests, especially in the wrap-up phase of this. And I heard you say uh, use two words: uh, evidence and tension. And I think that that's, uh, those are all both great, great terms, especially for Intel pros. But um, there was some tension uh, at SLA Cleveland 2019 when um, it was the music uh, theme. And we had this really lovely guy named Sam up on the stage in the main (laughs) exhibit hall playing uh, 
a variety of different tunes from different genres, right? And somehow I learned that um, there was some evidence you had played in a uh, band for a long time, right? You, 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 your, your time in playing uh, lead vocals in bands uh, goes back a while, right? Yeah, so I, I um, so yeah, so I had the sort of parallel career in, in teaching, right? Yes, I have the consulting, the teaching, and then sort of this third one, which is uh, music. And, and so I, I discovered that actually when I was you know, in my teens, my mid-teens, studied classical voice for, for a while, took a break. And then uh, when I was ready to jump back into it, uh, I jumped into jazz. Um, and, uh, and then took a break as my son was born. And then, uh, when we kind of popped back into it, turned out that in the neighborhood we just moved into, there was a band and it was one of the best bands around and, uh, and everything just aligned. So, uh, so I, I, so they invited me and, um, and so that, that had been my secret life until you guys, you guys, you know, discovered it. And uh, <laughs> you know what they say about <laughs> intel people? They're they're they're. It's tough to keep a secret. Uh, if if, well, if think, especially go ahead. This is also the matter of that. You know, we're also friends, and I think things just start coming up. But you guys are also the sponsors for a very long time of the rock and roll dance party, right? So you know, there's an inherent right you know interest in, in music, you know, in you guys, and so yeah, yeah. So that actually was very funny, and I think we probably should catch up the audience a little bit, very briefly, on what happened that day because yeah. I'm alluding to it. But uh, so from my perspective, you know, I had just you know got I had just wrapped up back to back uh, presentations. So I'd been speaking for three hours that morning, and then I was standing in line, uh, you know, for uh, I, I was really looking forward lunch. to my lunch, yeah, for lunch, and I heard at the uh, at, the, at the conference floor. Uh, this announcement, you know, over the PA system for me, and um, but but then I I I, I, I kind of got this buzz. You know, people are saying Derek Johnson is looking for you, and so I, I knew that there was that that that, that, uh, that you know, no good was going to come of this. So, um, so so I have to admit I did remain in line, but your being so tall, I think you picked me right out of that line. Because I, I, I felt somebody come up next to me and this, this hand under my elbow, steering me out of the line with my plate of yeah. food and, um, and, and saying that I was needed. I see Eric cracking up right now, saying that I was, I was needed um, on the floor. And, uh, and so, yeah, so it turns out that, well, and I, by the way, just I'd always, I'd, I'd been admiring Sam the entire conference. Because his repertoire was fabulous. You know, he was just wonderful. His one-man show across, you know, these number of days that he was performing all day. I mean, that's a tough gig. Yeah. Singing and performing and playing guitar, right? So um, so I was, I was already a fan of his. And uh, so you led me to him and, and there was no getting out of it because you had already assembled an audience in front of the, yeah. his performance stage. So I, I actually wasn't sure if I was able to deliver just because my voice was shot. And, uh, so, but anyway, you know, a favor for a friend. And so I, uh, so Sam and I compared, you know, notes to see, you know, which tunes we actually, we both mutually knew. And so, uh, you know, we, we came up with a, a couple of tunes and I have to admit there were some songs that I hadn't sung literally in over a decade. So it was a lot of fun to, to be able to, to do that because our band wasn't performing those songs. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so we were singing, you know, Fly Me to the Moon, I remember. So I got to do that, you know, jazz great, uh, you know, that jazz standard, which I just love. 
uh, I will survive, you know, so got the disco diva out a little bit, you know, we did the pretenders. So there was, you know, some fun stuff. And, and so as, as usual with the Joe bros, um, you know, it's, there's bound to be surprises and good times. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, well, my, yeah, better. You made it look easy, Cynthia. You oh. did not look as if you hadn't practiced that stuff. Uh, and it was, I, I can speak for the rest of the audience and saying we were impressed with the results. Thank, thank you. Thanks. Yeah. That I learned of the evidence that you had experienced your professional, you're essentially a professional singer in, in addition to your professional life. And, uh, I was willing to take the risk of the tension going back to evidence and tension, which I think <laughs> kind of maybe is a theme of what makes Intel pros good. You know, yeah. you, you, you look for the evidence, you put it under some time under tension sorts of phenomenon. And, you know, I just think it's a fun story, you know, because what it, what I actually, I think it did in that moment uh, in Cleveland was you inspired others to get up there and sing uh, people we had never met. People maybe were a little bit yeah. shy about getting up there to sing uh, what became essentially live band karaoke. That's yeah, it did I, become that, didn't it? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I still have the videos. In fact, when this uh, gets aired, this this uh, podcast is going to go live right around. Let me look. Um, we'll, we'll be going live around August 3rd with this, and I'll make sure that I have a video or two to be able to share on social channels. You should let Cynthia see them first before yeah. we. Yeah, I have not it. seen them, and yeah, the, the, it's it's yeah, because you know, I, I it, because it's sort of like a that was a secret life until that moment because mm. I'd never let those two lives you know collide in that way you know, especially professionally. So, uh, so I'm still recovering from the shock of it. I admit, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it's sort of like you know. Diana Prince and Wonder Woman, it's like you kind of keep the two part or Clark Kent and Super. Now, not to say that I have a superpower, but it's just you keep those lives separate, right. you know. Compartmentalize so, the lives. Compartmentalize, yeah, yeah. So that's the only part of my life that I do that I do try to silo, but um they, but uh uh it, it's oh. yeah, the cat's out of the bag. You've you've you you did eventually enjoy your lunch that day after you got done singing, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You kept it at your booth for me. Yeah, we did. <laughs> this has been a great, uh, great privilege, great honor, a great, great fun. Cynthia, to uh, host you on Running Into the Fog. Thank you so much for being here, Eric. Take us home. Well, you are a wonder woman to us, Cynthia, and we're so grateful to have you on here. And I just loved every minute of our conversation. I can't wait until the next one. Always, Where can people... Yeah, always with you both. And and by the way, thank you for these wonderful questions. You know, I, I don't get to talk about economic development and policy and these other issues very often. And, and, uh, you know, we have a lot of thoughts about it. So I do look forward to continuing it, but, you know, I really appreciate your, you know, helping me, you know, just explore some of these things, you know, with, uh, you know, our listening audience, you know, because these are important topics that we don't tend to think about and, and Intel needs to do that. So I'm guessing LinkedIn is the place where people can find you most easily. Is that true? You have other places you'd point people to to track you? Yeah. Down? Well, you know, there's the Council of Competitive Intelligence, uh, you know, Twitter. Um, you know, so, uh, so, so at CI Fellows, so you can find us there. And uh, I, I tend not to, you know, to post a whole lot, but uh, you know, very occasionally you'll find me at Chang Korea on Twitter as well. But I, I tend to be more of a listener and lurker, you know, than I am posting. Um, but, uh, but, but, uh, that's where you can find me. And then, you know, of course, you know, just in a lot of places, but thank you, uh, for, for, you know, letting me, uh, you know, talk about some things, you know, of, of, um, interest, you know, on, on this forum as well.
super fun. Fantastic, Cynthia. Derek, thank you. And Cynthia, thank you. I can't wait until we do it again. You both are terrific. And thanks for the questions. And and you know, just also, Derek, I, I'm so impressed with your listening skills. <laughs> just <laughs> picking out, you know, just, you know, some, some of those, those elements and tying it together. You guys are just terrific. Thank you. And somebody tell me once God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. So. <laughs> Amen to that. Better, uh, better make good use of it. Yeah, for Intel. That's right. Thanks, Cynthia. It was really fun today. Thank you. It's a pleasure's mine. Thanks, everybody who listened. Join us again on Running Into the Fog for another great conversation with whoever we have next. And I have no idea who that's going to be. But, Cynthia, I was glad it was you today. Thank you. I'm glad. See you both soon. Bye-bye.